This is the Healthy Free Life Show, where you're going to learn a new way to eat and live healthy for the glory of God. I'm your health coach, Katrina Sequenzia, and I'm on a mission to help Christians get healthy, ditch disease, lose weight, and find food freedom. So if you're ready to get healthy and free so you can live that abundant life that you've been promised, then let's do the thing. Well, hello there, dear one. Today, we are talking about the top reasons why diets fail, and most importantly, what to do instead. And I brought a special guest with me today. I brought along not just any guest, but my husband, Chris. And so what many of you all don't know is that Chris and I are actually partners behind the scenes with Healthy Free Life. And... Chris is not only behind the scenes doing uh, so many things to support this ministry, but also he is our resident physical therapist and strength coach. He leads all of our uh, movement and exercise components of our program, including our exercise videos and things like that. And so I'm super excited because he and I love uh, what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about the top nine reasons why diets fail and, and what to do instead. And when you and I sat down to to write out this list, we really had about forty seven reasons yeah, I think why it was like forty seven. <laughs> yeah. And so what we uh, we really just tried to narrow it down to the top nine reasons why mm-hmm. diets fail. And so the reason why we wanted to do this of like this top nine reasons why diets fail is because we really wanted to kind of have a baseline of it's not just one thing. It's not one reason why diets fail. And we want to talk about the several reasons because in future episodes, you're going to be joining me again for discussions about weight loss and metabolism. And we're going to dive into some of these more topics a lot more deeply, but we just wanted to have a foundational Welcome, Chris. I'm so glad you're here. And let's really dive into weight loss. Yeah, because why- there's no way we could deep dive into all these in one episode because it would be a really long episode. Yeah. Well, this is probably going to be our longest one to date. And I'm right. really happy that you're here to help. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So what this is going to really be quite a bit of a, a back and forth uh, conversation that Chris and I are going to have. These kind are like the conversations we have a lot. Like Yeah. These are the conversations we have at our table. dinner table <laughs> um, over coffee. And because we're always wanting to figure out how to help our our students and our clients so much better. So before we dive into it though, the top nine reasons, like we gotta really help them understand who are we and how are we even qualified to talk about weight loss and the metabolism specifically. And so I thought we'd just give a brief background as to as to right. why we're qualified. And so this is just a little brief history is that we I was, I've been a health coach for the last 10 years and through the, through working with thousands of clients, helping them to easily transition to God's glorious foods, to a whole foods diet, working on lifestyle uh, pieces of the puzzle as well. uh, We were able to help so many people. Mm -hmm. So many people are able to experience weight loss just by transitioning to God's glorious foods and adding in lifestyle components as well. But there always was a handful of students and clients that we mm-hmm. just weren't quite able to help. There was a, a group of of people that no matter what they did, they did everything right. They checked all the boxes off. They were eating God's glorious foods. They were exercising, moving. They were, they were focusing on their spiritual health and their rest and all the things. They were doing everything right, but we still weren't able to, to help them. And so you and I were frustrated. Our, our students yeah. were frustrated. We were frustrated. And so we just knew that there had to be a better way. And so yeah, there we, had to be something else that we were missing. And so we set out uh, several years ago to find out the reason why. And uh, we then began to follow a top expert in the field of mm-hmm. the metabolism. And, um, and so we actually had the opportunity to study underneath him, to uh, be be educated by him mm-hmm. and his um, methodology and his methodology, and became certified through through his programs. But also, we were able to study under him for a year, yeah, pretty closely, pretty closely. And so we gained a phenomenal education as it relates to the metabolism and specifically the female metabolism and yes. female hormones and yeah. and that how our diet our dieting industry our diet mentality how we've been doing things wrong for decades mm-hmm. and we were 
able to understand what it was going to really take for, for people to lose weight and to lose weight the right way and for it to be sustainable in a way that lasts a lifetime. And this is where we then began to, um, we then began to work with clients and students. And so in the last several years, we've worked with hundreds of students now in weight loss specifically. Again, these are the students that were just resistant to weight loss no matter what they did. And so, and we started to see success. Mm -hmm. People who had reached plateaus in our programs were able to bust through those plateaus. People that uh, have struggled with weight their entire life were able to see success unlike Mm -hmm. any time before. People who were able to lose up to a hundred pounds through all of our programs, if not more. Yeah. So it wasn't just professionally, educationally, and experiencing through our students that we understood the power of knowing the metabolism Mm -hmm. and knowing how to really lose weight. It was, it was really our own experience as well. So we've both experienced the diet roller coaster, the yo-yo weight gain and all of that, the struggle Struggle. of that. So uh, I've shared my story more in depth in episode number three, and you've plan on sharing your story in an upcoming episode as well. So we're going to be bringing you on so that you can really run us through your experience because you know the struggle, the struggle. Right. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. And so we uh, got married early in our 20s and uh, somehow we just started the whole yo-yo diet thing where we dieted our way through our 20s. And if we weren't dieting, Mm -hmm. whether it was the Atkins diet, the Zone diet, the South Beach diet, the cabbage soup diet, the Twinkie diet. Yeah, we did the cabbage soup diet and I don't like cabbage. Yeah. So I'm not sure why that one failed. Yes. But yeah. um, and we didn't do the Twinkie diet. If no. we would have known that there was yeah, a Twinkie diet, we, we probably would have done it. It yeah. really is a thing. You can go yeah. Google it. Um, but if we weren't dieting, we were eating Taco Bell and, and drinking Dr. Pepper and eating terribly and living right. terribly. And so this was our life for the first decade of our life together. And this is where you'll learn in my story where I hit 30 and I was just a, a physical wreck. And so I had mm-hmm. to, things had to change. And so you're going to hear Chris's story because his struggle was not just through his 20s, but also through his 30s as well. And it was through our education understanding of the metabolism and how dieting has failed us and to look at dieting and eating and living in a brand new way that actually can help you get results. You've not only succeeded to finally shed the weight, but you've also maintained it for the last several years. And you now know how to, how to maintain that through diet and exercise the right way. Yes. And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's talk about failures versus success at dieting. Okay. I think that we, we should all be able to agree that diets fail. Every single one of us, those of you listening and Chris and I, diets fail. In fact, the statistics show that 95% of dieters fail at diets. And of those that fail, 66% end up fatter than they were before. Well, at least that does show that there is those 5%. So you do, you know, you may have that one friend that did that and it just worked and they never gained the weight back, but obviously those are the exceptions to the rule. Right. But we might've even tried it and lost the weight. So was that diet successful? Right. Well, that's where we're going to get into well, what the definition of success is. Yeah. In our mind, we say, oh yeah, that XYZ right. diet was successful because I lost 30 pounds. Right. But then you've gained it all back because you blame yourself for it. Right. And then here you are back to your old weight, if not heavier or fatter. And then you're like, oh, I just got to get back to do that diet. Right. Because it worked. Because it worked. But did it? No. So our definition of success is much different. Our definition is not 30 pounds in 30 days. It's not even one pound per week. Like what we are, what we deem successful after working with hundreds of students now is that we deem success as a gradual decline in your, in your fat and weight over time. It's not linear. It's not perfect. It's not one pound per week. Sometimes it's going to be one pound gain and sometimes it's going to be a two pound loss and it's going to go up and down and it's not going to be this perfectly downward trend. But more importantly, that's going to lead to sustainable weight loss, weight loss that is not stressful to the body. That's actually sustainable. But more importantly, how long does it last? Yeah. Cause I mean, if we were quote unquote doing it right, at least I was, you know, back when I would be on the dieting roller coaster, you know, I wouldn't have gained and lost the same 50 pounds. I've even lost track. I think it's four to five times probably that I've lost 50 pounds. So 
if the diet that I did do the first time that lost the weight, if it was quote unquote successful, then I would have never had to do it again. You never would have had to do it again. <laughs> no, but unfortunately I had to do it multiple times. Yes. So, and so there's and reasons. I know what the struggle is and I know how devastating that is to have that feeling of, of, wow, you know, you get on the scale and you realize you've gained all the weight back that you worked so hard to lose. And now you feel defeated and you feel like, wow, now I have to start all over again. And it's disheartening. Yeah. It's, it's not fun at all. No. Especially when you now all of a sudden you're wearing this, the pant sizes that you used to wear back again. And you're like, wow, I'm right back where I started. And then you have to muster up enough willpower that, uh, to, to go back and start all over again. And it's not easy to do. Right. So we're going to talk about why, nine reasons why it didn't work for you and it's right. not working for others. So let's dive into the the top nine reasons why diets fail and more importantly, what we should be doing instead. And we've kind of have it in a couple of different categories here. We're going to, we have to talk about the mindset. We have to talk about the dieter's mindset. Yeah. But then we also have to talk about the diet approach, like what we actually did. And so we're going to, we're going to first talk about our mindset. And so Number one reason why diets fail is because we didn't invite God into the process. Mm-hmm. And I dive into this much more deeply in episode two, where it's invite God into your health journey. Because for so often, I don't remember ever in our 20s, we were we were Christ followers in our 20s. We were heavily involved in our church. Heavily involved in our church. But when we dieted, it was like a whole separate thing from our spiritual life. Yeah, it's just a separate. It um, was. Yeah. We we had different compartments of our life and dieting and, and God and our spiritual health did not go together at all. It's like so, having different friend groups. You just don't mix your friend groups. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so we never invited God into the process. Right. And if we did, would we have been more successful? Maybe. Um, the diets weren't right. That's right. the problem. But if we would have invited God into the process, perhaps he would have guided us on our plan because Proverbs sixteen three says, commit whatever you do to the Lord and he will establish your plans. And so perhaps we would have committed the diet to the Lord. He actually would have helped us to reach and to succeed because his plan was not necessarily the diet plan. Right. Right. So we've got to do that. So definitely go back and listen to the episode if you have not and commit this journey to the Lord. That is first and foremost, why diets fail. Second reason why diets fail is that we have not changed our relationship with food. And so in episode four, I talk about God's glorious foods and eating God's way. And we need to establish a new relationship with food. And so often what we see is that, and this is what we did too. We like ate a standard American diet and then we're like, okay, we're going to do this diet thing. And so next week we slam into eating salads and smoothies and sensible dinners or prepackaged meals or whatever it was. And then the diet didn't last. And so- Then what do we do? Went right back to the standard American diet. We go back to the way we were. We Mm -hmm. went back to eating Taco Bell, Mm -hmm. processed foods, drinking soda, all of that. So we have to change our relationship with food. And so God's glorious foods eaten the right way can come in and bring nourishment, health, and healing at a cellular level. We can begin to experience true weight loss at a level, at a place that was unlike any time before. Diets don't usually educate us on why we're eating what we're eating. Mm -hmm. They just give us meal plans, menu lists, grocery shopping lists. And then we go all in. We go and we clear out our pantry, clean out our fridge. We might spend hours in the kitchen. And we don't really understand why that we're doing what we're doing. And we don't understand that, what, like you said. Yeah. Well, that's why it's, you know, that's why what you teach in the 40-Day Food Revival is so different. And it might not be you know, the most sexy thing to talk about, but you really need to know what happens when you eat a certain type of food. Like really, truly what happens, what's the difference between you eating a carbohydrate, a fat or a protein? What's that doing to things in your body, your hormone levels, things like that. And most diets, that's not discussed. It's not even a, it's not even brought up because it's just more like, okay, here's this meal plan that we've deemed that's the quote unquote best way to lose weight, which is a whole nother, a whole nother conversation because there's not just one thing that's just going to work for everybody. But 
there's no education. And it's sad to see that people really, truly, when you really sit down and talk to people, they really don't know what uh, is even in food because that's never, it was never, we're not educated. We're not uh, in school. That's not a thing that you're not, it's not a mandatory nutrition class that you take in high school. It should be, but it's not. And so the, the average person, and we, didn't know I was. A, I'm a physical therapist. I I went to physical therapy nurse. school uh, for multiple years, um, and I've been a physical therapist for over 20 years. And nobody that was never even a thing. And you would think it would be because if you could manage your weight, that would help your joints uh, heal and and not have possibly the de- degenerative things that happen because of excess weight. But there's no education involved, so we just assume people know this stuff, and that's not a thing that's ever really approached in diets. Right, and I and my philosophy. Has- has always been is that if I have a big enough why, right. then the how becomes easy. So if you know why foods react right. the certain ways and why you should choose this food over the other food and what's actually happening inside your body, then it's a lot easier to make the right, right. choice. You're more, you're, my, you're more likely to make the right choice. You right. still There's still a lot of factors that will go into you possibly not making the right choice, but that at least you are educated enough to know um, the information to then try to make an educated decision on what to eat. Right. And to understand that um, so often we get asked like, well, Katrina, what do you think about the keto diet? Mm -hmm. And um, or Katrina, I lost 80 pounds on the keto diet, but I've been stuck for a while. And we're going to talk about the plateau in in a little bit, a little bit here, but the issue is, is that if we go into keto or go into intermittent fasting, or if we go into XYZ diet, no matter what it is, if we go into it without that foundation of the why and the healthy eating and our new relationship with food, and we slam into this new diet, when we come out the other side, we're going to go back to the way things were. And we've never changed our relationship with yeah, food. Nothing really ever changed. Our habits didn't change. Yeah. It was a temporary fix. It was a temporary fix. And so we must establish our new relationship with food. In fact, before we even work with students with weight loss, we one of the prerequisites is that we want them to go through the 40-day food revival. We want them to experience a transformation with their food and have a new relationship with food and more importantly, see food as God intended so that we can use his foods to heal and nourish our body. So number three, why diets fail is that we haven't established healthy lifestyle and a healthy habit. We've been, we focus so heavily on weight and not the healthy lifestyle that leads to weight loss. Uh And I love this quote from James Clare, the best-selling author of the book, Atomic Habits. And he says, everyone wants the results, but not everyone wants the lifestyle. Uh We are missing healthy habits in our life because a diet is not a habit. A diet is not a habit. A diet is a plan that you do for X amount of days, and it's not really establishing new healthy habits in your life. Healthy habits that will last a lifetime. Because honestly, you don't want to do that diet for your lifetime. So you're not. You're just trying to do it for the next 30, 60 right, that's days. The mentality. Right. And then, and then, okay, I'm going to be yeah, able to go back. That's how my mentality was. It was just like, okay, let me <laughs> push through this and. And let me just uh, white knuckle my way through it and let me get to this number on the scale and then everything will be fine. Right. But it wasn't. But if you don't have the, like, just think about dieting. If you don't have the the habit of menu planning, if you don't have the habit of making a grocery list, if you don't have the habit every week of going to the grocery store, if you don't have the habit of preparing your meals every single day and eating nutrient dense whole foods every single day. If you don't have those in your life, then then this diet's not going to be sustainable. Because yeah, it's going to be so much easier to once you kind of quote unquote cross the finish line to then just go back and go, wow, you know, fast food is much more convenient than having to make a big salad or something. So yeah. And that's where we were. And, you know, just to start with the establishing a lifestyle. We have Mm -hmm. to desire the lifestyle. And from a healthy lifestyle, from healthy habits, that like weight loss is a byproduct of a healthy lifestyle. But a weight loss program does not beget a healthy lifestyle. No, they're kind of two different things. They're two different things. So after working with thousands of students, we 
have realized that there's a path to success. There is, we have created the healthy free life way, the path that helps people to achieve that healthy free life that they so desire. And so first we've just got to commit the journey to the Lord and be willing and ready to get onto the onto the journey, right? And so that's step number step number zero, right? Just be willing to step onto the path. And really our, our next stage is that you develop that new relationship with food, like we were just talking about in point number two. And then from there, once we've had that new relationship with food where we understand what's truly going to take to get healthy, then we need to actually establish healthy habits. We need to establish the habit of a healthy breakfast. We need to establish the, ha- the habit of a healthy lunch. We need to establish the habit of of exercise. We need to establish the habit of worship. We need to establish the habit of movement, of hydration, of this is the body, mind, spirit framework. And well, we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. And we've talked about that more in depth in a past episode, but healthy habits is our second stage of our healthy free life way is that we've got to establish healthy habits. And most often what we see is people who change that relationship with food, who establish healthy eating as it should be, understand what it's truly going to take to get healthy. And then they begin to establish healthy habits in their life and they begin to exercise and move their body and hydrate and sleep well and rest and worship the Lord. When we develop these healthy habits, this is where we see the most success. Mm-hmm. These healthy habits lead to the desired weight loss that we want to experience. But here's the thing, and this leads to point number four, is that what people often do with diets, and we did it as well, is you go all in and then you have an all or nothing mentality Mm -hmm. that perfection is required. And so we go all in, but we've missed how our, our minds actually work with developing new healthy habits. And so this all or nothing mentality, you are like the king of all or nothing. Yeah. You have this all or nothing mentality. You have this incredible ability that once you set your mind to something, you flip a switch and it doesn't go off. No, until. Until it does. Until the wheels fall off, yeah. And so, but you uh, talk about this all or nothing mentality. Like how, how, like we are very wired differently because I'm not an all or nothing kind of person when it comes to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, just, you know, my personality or uh, probably a combination of my personality and my history of excessive weight gain. Uh, I just know how it feels. And um, yeah, I can, I can flip a switch and, you know, we used to do ridiculous things like at our physical therapy office where we would have contests to see how much weight we could lose, uh, in a short amount of time. And, you know, we'd all put, you know, we'd all put a couple dollars in and it was just a bet. And once something like that happened and I'm not that super competitive in general, but there's no way if something like that's happening, there's no way I'm touching anything that, uh, that would resemble something that could possibly, uh, make me gain any weight. So, and I always knew that majority of the people were much healthier in the fact that they would give in to some things because that's actually the healthier thing to do. But I always had a pretty good confidence level that I would probably win. Or I had one, my friend who was also kind of wired like me, it would just be me and him just going at it. And it was literally like down to the ounce sometimes to see who would win. So yeah, it's not necessarily a, um, a healthy, obviously way to, to look at things, but, but yeah. Um, and I still struggle with that today because I still have the mentality of even even though I've maintained my weight for years uh, and I'll still have that feeling you have to nudge me sometimes to just be like, it's okay. You know, like we had multiple birthdays in the, in the household uh, birthday parties because our daughter just turned 16 and she had felt like five birthday parties and there was cake and all kinds of things around. And to me, it was just like, I, I almost have to force myself to, to, to enjoy the, the, the process of having some cake here or there because it's just not how I'm wired, but yeah. You've come a long way this last yeah. year or two with, uh, with the balance. And yeah. that's where, that's where we, you know, for the longest, it's part of my philosophy is that this can't be a hundred percent, What this eating and living thing can't be perfect. I don't think that we're going to be perfect on this side of heaven. And so for us to create balance is where it's at. I'd rather somebody be 50%, a hundred percent of the time. Right. I know that's your saying. I like that saying, and that's, and it's still something that, that I have to, to hold. It's better to be 50%, a hundred percent of the time than a hundred percent 
uh, for five days a week and then 0% over the weekends. Well, that's what we see right. a lot so of. Right. So we try to be all in. We're perfect yeah. Monday through Friday, but then it's, but it's, it's we relax and we binge over the weekend. And we're going to talk about other physiological reasons right. why that's happening hormonally. But but we can't have this all or nothing mentality. In fact, I like to live by the 80, 20 rule. Mm -hmm. And this is what we teach our, this is what we teach our students in the 40 day food revival through our healthy habit uh, Academy. And also in our weight loss programs, like we, this is not a hundred percent. We're striving for 80 to 90%. But if you're only at 10, 15%, we just got to work to get better over time. But the goal is never under a hundred percent because it's not sustainable. It's not lasting because guess what? There are birthday parties, right? It happens. Yeah. And so if we're all or nothing, Nothing, then what happens is that the that Christmas turns into a, a free for all, and we just eat like right. nonstop continuous meal. continuous meal. But if my goal is eighty to ninety percent through Christmas, then I can still enjoy some some cookies, right? Because you don't deem yourself as a failure if I don't you, deem myself if as you a have a piece of cake. But right. but the you know the, the 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 dieting mentality is like once I once I give in or once I step a little bit off track, it's just like, well, I pretty much ruined it. So I might as well just go all in and we'll start again Monday or something. And that's usually the, that's how my mentality was too. So yeah, it's, um, we see it all the time in our, in our programs. To think that there is one diet that fits all is just not going to help us in this case. So while keto diet may have, may have worked for your friend or intermittent fasting may have worked for right. your sister does not mean that it's going to work for you. Right. It's like wanting to be a vegetarian. Like back in the day, we did not have the knowledge and really um, changed our, our thought process around food. We tried to be a vegetarian back in the day. Like what was that? 20 years ago, 15 years ago. That's yeah, one of the diets we tried. Yeah. And that, with that point, I had no desire to re really eat vegetables. We were, so we were carbitarians. We were carbitarians. Right. We were not vegetarians. Yeah, and so, so we gained weight right, on, yeah. on that so supposedly again, healthy diet. Right. But somebody who loves vegetables that went into it, loving vegetables and loving things like that, that might've been an easier transition for them, but it all depends on the person. You can't, you can't force somebody into, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It just, it just, you know, it just doesn't work. And then when you think about like intermittent fasting, I mm -hmm. mean, intermittent fasting can be great. It's a, right. it's a, it's a protocol that can be used for weight loss. It's not a lasting protocol. We need to flow in and out of, of intermittent fasting, but intermittent fasting is not for everyone. There are definitely key people that should not do intermittent fasting. Those who are not metabolically healthy, those who may have prediabetes or diabetes, those with adrenal issues that struggle with cortisol issues should not do intermittent fasting. They need to fuel more frequently. That's nowadays our, especially with social media, you're just going to see the thing that's being pushed. And yeah, the person on the screen looks great. Um, and it's worked quote unquote for them, but what works for a 20 year old guy doesn't necessarily going to work for, you know, a 56 year old woman who's going through menopause. Correct. Uh, they're kind of, they, they are humans. They are both, both humans, but they're pretty metabolically different. Right. We have and to we, take that into consideration. So you must understand that you are different metabolically, yeah. physiologically, hormonally. And you're different, especially women, um, because of the hormonal changes that happen, you're different now than you were, even though you're the same physical person, you're, uh, hormonally, you're a totally different person when you're in your fifties and sixties than you were when you're in your twenties. So what worked every, in your twenties doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work, is, is going to change. So just because it worked when you were 30 doesn't mean it's going to work when you're, you know, when you're 60. Right. And that's not something that's really ever addressed. No. And so this leads kind of then to, um, to point number six of the reasons why diets fail is that so often the one diet that everyone seems to go to right. is an eat less, mm -hmm. exercise more approach. That's usually universally in the diet industry what people lead you on. This is when you go to a gym and your trainer puts you on this five-day-a-week intensive training schedule, but then puts you on a 1200 calorie right. diet and, oh, you're not seeing results. Oh, then we need to go lower. Let's right. try a thousand calories. And that's what I did. I mean, that's really, truly how I lost multiple times losing about 50 pounds was I did totally did the eat less exercise more mentality. It was just like, let me see how much 
I can work out and let's see how little I can possibly eat and still stay alive, basically. And uh, it got me to a point where uh, the last time I did it, I got to a point where I could barely get out of bed. So let's talk about what's happening in the metabolism. So let's talk about, let's define the metabolism and then let's talk about what's happening to our metabolism when we take this kind of dieting approach. So do you want to share with us? Tell us about the metabolism. Yeah, well, again, it, it makes sense. You know, and the common knowledge is let's just eat less and exercise more because it's it's based around the calorie model where if the if we burn off more calories than we take in, we're going to lose weight. And that is true. You do need a calorie deficit to lose weight. That's one of the, the, the main things that you need to have in order to have weight loss. But unfortunately, most people don't understand what that does to their metabolism because the metabolism, and we'll probably get into much more details of the metabolism in a future episode, but we like to say that the metabolism, think about it as a stress barometer. And what does that mean? It's like, well, I'm not under stress. I'm not under emotional stress. Most people think that stress is that, like stress at work or stress at home. That is stress. And that we'll talk about that further later, that that does affect your metabolism too. But the other thing that's stressful to the metabolism is a large, what we call a large calorie deficit, where if your body senses that you're only bringing in a thousand calories, 1200 calories, but your, your body needs, you know, 2000, 2500, maybe even 3000, depending on how big, you know, how big you are and how much you're ex exercising and moving, your body's going to register that as a massive stress because our metabolism's job is to keep us alive. And especially females, because females are even more sensitive to that because females, you guys, your job is to have babies and reproduce. And our metabolism is a key piece to that. So when our body senses and our metabolism senses that there is this huge deficit, it's going to do things to try to fix it. And it's going to try to force you to eat more and exercise less because that's where it wants to bring you back to more of a balance. So then we have hormones that that yeah. start being released right. and these hormones increase our hunger right. and increase our cravings. Cause think about it. If we were out in the wilderness in the situation right. where we were not getting enough food, then our bodies, our mind and our is going to help to work to say, you need to go hunt and gather. So we're going to be on this. Cause we got to stay alive. Right. We need to like go find food. Right. We need to stay alive. And so we have uncontrollable cravings and we have right. uncontrollable hunger. But the thing is, is that we're not in the wilderness. Unfortunately, we're in we're, our, we're you know, in our, our homes where we have thousands of calories right. available to us. We or can go to a grocery can, store or, well, or dairy yeah. queen and, and then Just crush out the a thousand and, calories in one sitting. Right. And, and make that up. So this is where uncontrollable cravings and hunger, like we're not going to be able to willpower our way through that. Yeah. And people think that they can, and they think that it's like, well, and if, when they can't do it, they feel like they're a failure, but they have no idea that all these physiological things are going on behind the scenes to make you fail because your body doesn't want to do this. It's not the, your body knows that this is unhealthy. It knows this is not the right way to do it. And it will fight against you until it wins and it will win. Right. And so let's talk about what happens then to metabolism. Yeah. So we've stressed it out. Mm -hmm. So now what's going to happen to our metabolism? Yeah. Well, again, the hormones are going to kick in. So you're all of a sudden going to have more cravings. You're going to want to eat more uh, because, and again, you're not going to be craving kale and things like that. Your body's going to crave high calorie sugary things because they knows that it gets more bang for its buck doing that. And you're going to end up giving into things that you would not normally give it into, but then also you're going to all of a sudden start feeling like, well, I'm really tired. I really don't want to go to the gym today. And, and it's not that you're just being lazy. Your body is legitimately decreasing your energy levels because it knows that if we can stop you from going to the gym, we're going to be more likely to get back into that balance. So what happens is it's what we call metabolic compensation is our, our metabolism is compensating for the kind of the damage that we're putting it through. And it's not, it doesn't like that. So metabolic compensation, this is where our metabolic rate of our body starts going down. So yeah. people talk about fast metabolism, slow right. metabolism. That's a whole nother topic, but right. our metabolism slows down because- yes. And that's what happens. You're, you're gonna start to all of a sudden, your body will be like, okay, well, maybe you were burning 2000 calories on a normal day-to-day -day activities to function in life. But now your brain's like, and your, your metabolisms, well, 
we can't do that anymore. So we're going to slow your metabolism, your metabolic rate down to maybe now 1500 calories. So, cause it's like, well, this is, this is, we're trying to match the, uh, the calorie input and output to a closer degree. So your metabolism quote unquote slows down. Now what happens is now you give in and you're like, well, I'm just not going to do this diet anymore because I'm obviously failing and it's not working. And then what happens? Then you go back to, even if you go back to eating the same amount of calories you were eating pre-diet, now your metabolism is still slower because it didn't all of a sudden kick back in once you stop dieting and it stays at that lower metabolic rate. So now the amount of food that you would normally eat to maybe sustain your weight will now actually cause you to gain weight because you're, you're burning less calories at rest than you were before the diet. And then you do this over and over again. That's where we really get into issues where we can start getting into things like what we call like metabolic damage and things like that, which is not really a thing. The metabolism isn't damaged, but it just gets more severely compensated to a point where now you're starting to possibly see other health concerns popping up and we have no, and we don't contribute it to that, but it's really what's happening. So that really leads us then to point number eight, which is that another reasons why diets fail is because we're not metabolically healthy. Right. We're not metabolically able to flex with a diet either. And so this, we see that there are different, different stages of somebody's metabolic health. So somebody who's metabolically healthy is at their ideal weight. They're, they don't struggle to, to, um, to stay there. It's not really a struggle, but then those that are, may have some excess weight that, but they're not yo-yo dieters. They've never really dieted in their past. That person who just maybe needs to lose 30, 40 pounds, but's never really dieted in their past. They're going to have a lot easier right, they're time. They're much more successful because their, their metabolism is primed to work. Quote right. Unquote. Because yeah. their, their body's going to respond when they mm-hmm. have a small calorie deficit. Now we do want a calorie yeah, deficit, but we don't want too large yeah. of a calorie deficit. But then we have those that are at the next stage. And these are the people who have dieted mm-hmm. uh, a lot in their life. Like, they, these are the ones that have dieted maybe since they were eight years old, or they dieted through the twenties and their thirties and their forties. And so they've dieted so much and they've, uh, then taken their metabolism along the way. And so these are the ones that are going to have be less metabolically flexible, less metabolically healthy, and it's going to lead to potential weight loss resistance. So these are the people that we were seeing that in our in our food programs and our healthy habits programs that we're not able to experience, like I'm doing everything right. And they were, but they were stuck metabolically and we had to help them to reboot the metabolism. This is why we did. And we learned what we did. And so this is where we have uh, that group of people, but then we have a, a last group of people where these are the ones that are metabolically un- unhealthy. Maybe they have yo-yo dieted their whole life, but these are also those that are starting to experience some diseases of the metabolism. So pre-diabetes, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, such as fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and- uh, Rheumatoid arthritis, um, all kinds of digestive issues. So IBS mm-hmm. as well. And so these are those that, that who are, who still want to lose weight. And so those that that are in that stage where they're having some of these late disease processes that have come up, that if they try to diet, yeah. it's going to continue to make things worse. And so this is where those that are in that category really need to focus on healing. And so weight loss can be a byproduct eventually, but their first goal is to focus on, on healing and health. So I think to understand where you are metabolically and your health is really important to know how successful you're going to be and what you're able to do. And either way, we've got to make sure we do it the right way. We've got to make sure that we don't have this huge calorie deficit, which I think leads us to point number eight. And point number eight is it's not about calories. It is absolutely about hormones. So often we think that a calorie is a calorie. And, but it's not, the calorie is not a calorie. And so when we look at the approach that we're going to take, no matter where we are metabolically, we've got to take a hormone approach to this. Yes. Yeah. When you think about it, if you look at say a 300 calorie donut versus a 300 calorie chicken breast, 
we know that those are different, <laughs> but, and you know that you could probably eat a lot more of those 300 calorie donuts that you can eat those 300 calorie chicken breasts. And it's like, well, why is that? Why, why at some point when I eat the chicken, I'm, it's basically I'm done. Like I can't eat anymore versus donuts. You could crush out you a could dozen. You could crush out. Yeah, that is possible. So a lot of that, it, all of that has to do with what the the macro makeup, the macronutrient makeup of the food you're eating. But then what happens is once it gets in your system, what it's doing hormonally. So it's not just food is fuel. Yes. Yeah, because it's 300 calories. It's the same thing. Food is also information for right. our body and our body takes that information and does different things with it. So talk about then what happens hormonally between a chicken breast and a donut. Well, basics is the the donut is basically fat and sugar, which mostly sugar. So what that's going to do hormonally is that's going to, that's going to, when that hits your system, that's going to be turned into blood sugar. So your blood sugar is going to rise. And what happens when your blood sugar rises, your insulin levels rise because insulin's job is to get the sugar out of your blood and put it into your cells. Cause if not, you'd, it'd be toxic and you would die. So you need to get that sugar out of your bloodstream. So where is it going to go? it's going to get stored as fat. It's not, we don't put that into our muscle. We put that into fat because that's kind of our storage for a rainy day. So just those 300 calories is a complete difference versus if you eat a 300 calorie chicken breast, which is basically all protein. So now you may have a small, slight insulin response because of how your body breaks down the protein, but it's not anywhere close to what happens when you eat the, the sugary donut. And what happens is the protein actually is, is used more for building blocks. So it's actually going to be stored in your muscle, in your bone, things like that, because our body needs that to keep those structures functioning properly. It's not, protein's not necessarily really used for fuel. So it's not going to be into the bloodstream and we're not going to try to burn it off. It's going to be stored, but in good places. So again, just because they're 300 calories, doesn't mean that they do anything close to the same once you eat them. Right. And protein, we know, is the macronutrient that leads to more satiation. Yeah. Protein is the more satiating macronutrient. So it's that what that means is when you eat protein, you're going to be full longer because of what it does hormonally to you. So if you eat the chicken, you're not going to be craving and wanting to eat something in another hour versus if you eat one or two donuts, it kind of goes through you pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden you're hungry again. Right. Or if you eat that bowl of cereal for breakfast, that's mostly sugar and that's going to spike your blood sugar and it's going to come down and then you're going to have a crash and then you're going to be hungry again in the next hour. And you wonder why you can't, you can't lose weight because you feel you're so hungry all the time that you, you end up eating five, six, seven, eight times a day because of what it's doing, what you're, what's going on hormonally because of what choices you're making from meal to meal. Right. And so this is where, um, this is why in our programs, we have our students prioritize protein. Mm -hmm. We have them uh, fill with fat and fiber, mm -hmm. and then we have them control their carbohydrates because their carbohydrates are the ones that are really going to keep us on that roller coaster. One of the reasons why we say fill with fat is because fat has absolutely no effect on your on your blood sugar and insulin levels, so you're not going to get that blood sugar roller coaster. Fat doesn't make us fat. No, no, that. But again, that's what we were told. So again, still, that's going to be another topic right, for another and we day. Still have that mindset, but yeah. Absolutely. And so, but let's talk about, this is going to lead us to number nine, which is that what happens, like the people that are like, but I'm eating the chicken, I'm eating the salad. I'm, I'm doing everything doing right. I'm doing chicken and broccoli. And I like, I'm, I'm doing everything perfectly. I'm doing what you're saying. And these are the ones that are just like, I'm doing everything right, but I'm not seeing the results. And so one, we need to go back and look at, well, let's just see where you are metabolically. Right. Maybe you're not healthy and we need to work on other things than just specifically weight loss. But there are those that are metabolically healthy that think that they're doing everything right. But the realisms are, is that they're not understanding that it's not just about diet. Right. So we can have food dialed in perfectly. We could be eating the right amount of calories mm -hmm. for weight loss for us, not stressing out our system. But 
we don't realize that it's not just about diet or those that are doing diet and exercise could be doing it wrong. We've talked about that eat less, exercise more. So that could be yeah, something that we need to think. Depending on the type of exercise you're doing. But let's say they're doing that right. right. What we need to understand that it's not just about diet and exercise. We have all these other areas of our health that we must take into consideration when it comes to weight loss. Mm-hmm. And so this is why all of our programs from beginning to end, all of our programs are built upon a body, mind, spirit framework. We talk about that more in depth in episode one of what makes healthy for life different. We talk about the body, mind, spirit framework. So definitely go back and listen to that more in depth. But basically it's made up of a of three components, body, mind, and spirit. And we need to have a healthy spirit, we need to have a healthy mind, and we need to have a healthy body. And so we focus on seven habits within the body, mind, spirit framework. We sp- we focus on our spiritual health and we focus on the habit of worship. We focus on the habit of rest when it comes to our mind. And because this is where we need to stress less and rest more because stress will kill our results every time. So no matter how perfect we are with diet and exercise, if we are stressed, what's happening to our metabolism? Yeah, like what we talked about earlier is our metabolism is a stress barometer. And yes, we talked about how eating less and exercising more is a stress on the system, but emotional stress is also a stress because our our body is sensing that and we're going to release certain hormones, stress hormones, to counteract that feeling because it feels like we are, because we have these different systems, our different neurological systems, and one of the systems is your sympathetic nervous system. Your sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight system. So when you get chased by a bear, all these things happen because it wants you to it's survival. Well, if you're sitting at your cubicle at work and you're getting you know yelled at by your boss or things are going bad at, at home, your stress level is elevated and what's what's going to happen is our body's going to release things like cortisol and cortisol's job is to get you to flee the situation but unfortunately we don't flee the situation so things like what what things will happen is cortisol will cause you to actually elevate your blood sugar because your brain senses like, well, she's under a lot of stress. Let's elevate her blood sugar because we need that sugar to just in case she needs to like sprint out of the building. So, so we end up elevating our blood sugar, not because of what we ate. It's because we stressed our way there. So we've got to deal with stress. And one of the ways we combat that is through rest-based activities. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that rest is part of our everyday life but we also want to look at the other areas. So the components of our of our body that we look at is we look at hydration. We've got to make sure that we're bringing in enough water because that's going to help us to metabolize fat and all these other glorious things that our body has to do. It needs water to do so. We also want to need to make sure that we are sleeping well because sleep is like a... A, a hormone reset every single night. It's our body is restoring, rebuilding, and coming back to a place of, of homeostasis and we wake up and we're ready for the next day. Sleep is a beautiful thing and we must make sure that we are getting eight to nine hours of deep restorative sleep every single night. And that's not the exciting, sexy thing to talk about. It's because, not. Yeah, especially if, depending on where you are in your season of life, especially with a female, it might be more beneficial for you to sleep an extra hour than it is for you to get up and get on the elliptical or on the treadmill for an hour because of what it's doing to your stress hormones. Right. But we also know that sleep at different stages of life is not easy for a woman. No. So women with young kids, sleep is like right. is is a rare luxury. Right. Then we also have those that are later in life that are experiencing because of hormonal issues that they're not able to get to sleep or stay asleep. So we've got to address those underlying things because if you're not sleeping well, if you're only sleeping five, six hours at night, or if it's disrupted sleep, then that's absolutely going to affect your ability to lose weight. And then we also have movement. And we're going to talk more in depth about movement versus exercise in a future episode. But movement of our body, not exercise, but movement where we are all the other times throughout our day, like how are we moving and using our body? So vitally important to our metabolism. Yeah. Movement is one of the only things, is the only thing that the two hormones that we have just briefly talked about, insulin and cortisol, these are the on, that's the only thing that actually lowers both of those simultaneously. 
So movement is vitally important, whether it be a walk outside, leisurely mm-hmm. walk, whether it's walking around your home, making sure you're standing not just sitting all day, right. um, getting in that movement, bending, stretching, things like that. And then obviously we need to make sure that our food habit is is intact and then also exercise. And again, we've already talked a lot about diet and exercise. We know that those are important, but they're not the most important things when it comes to our metabolism. And so we gotta, we have to honor and recognize that it's not just about diet. It's not just about diet and exercise. It's about the whole body, mind, spirit that we must bring into true health for us to experience true lasting weight loss. And this is why we focus so heavily on habits in these areas inside our Healthy Free Life Academy. This is why we focus so heavily on food inside the 40-Day Food Revival. And even in our weight loss programs, we don't just teach about diet and exercise. We make sure that the habits, the, the habits of exercise, the habits of, movement, of movement and rest, and rest are, and sleep are deeply rooted mm-hmm. in our programs as well, because they are so vitally important to bring those into place as well. So we've given you the top nine reasons why diets fail. Now, remember, there were probably at least 47 on our list. Yeah, and so we tried 51. to narrow it. <laughs> maybe 51. We tried to narrow it down to the top nine. And what we wanted to leave you with is just encouragement that there's, it's not your fault why diets have failed you. And so we want you to know that there's a new way. And this is what we want to present to you here. And so just know that in future episodes, we want to talk about each one of these things a lot more in depth. And we want to give you hope and encouragement and direction on what to do to help you to truly establish true health and true weight loss that's sustainable, that lasts a lifetime. And so let's just review the top nine to remind you that number one, be sure to invite God into the process. Number two, make sure you change your relationship with food. And in fact, we'd love for you to get started with our 40-day food revival if you want to get on that journey today. And you can Find out more about the 40-Day Food Revival by visiting healthyfreelife.com forward slash revival. Again, healthyfreelife.com forward slash revival. I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes as well. Number three, make sure that you are establishing a healthy lifestyle and healthy habits and may that become your focus over weight loss. Remember, it's not all or nothing, but create a balanced approach where you can still have the cake and the healthy lifestyle at the same time. Number five, remember that one diet does not fit all. You must seek to find the diet that works for you. Number six, remember, we don't want to eat less, exercise more. We want to match our calorie input to the work that we're doing in our body. Number seven, we want to make sure we know where we are metabolically. Are we metabolically healthy? What stage are we at on the metabolically health scale to know how long this should take and what we can expect? Number eight, it's not just about calories. It's also about hormones. Taking a hormone approach to weight loss is key. And number nine, remember, it's not just diet. It's not just diet and exercise. It's all aspects of our body, mind, and spirit. Worship, rest, hydration, sleep, movement, eating healthy, and exercising. We look forward to sharing more with you in the future. And now I'll leave you with this blessing from Philippians 4, verse 7. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Until next time, bye for now.